The following is a hoop ball presentation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back. It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here, your host of this fine podcast. As we say hello to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you enjoyed the first episode of the podcast of Brian Seaman, the voice of the Clippers. That is to be confirmed. We're still waiting for that to actually get confirmed by the ball club. But for all intensive purposes, obviously, we will hear Brian Seaman's voice on the TV when you watch. Today's guest is going to be Justin Wilson, the LA Clippers film guru. You can find him at LA Clippers film on Twitter. He is a guy that breaks down more X's and O's on the Clippers side that I've seen so far on Twitter than anybody else that I follow. So he does a really nice job. He took a nice look at Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to see what they did special in their time with Toronto and Oklahoma City and how they will fit. Also, he's posted a bunch of different links about how other guys on the Clippers have done. You look at Landry Shamit, for example. We'll talk about him as a guy that has been important to what the Clippers have done over the last year or so and will be important this year as well. Some housekeeping before we get started. Make sure you follow the podcast at Hoopball Clips. I'm at BD Marcus. That is B as in Brandon, D as in David, and then Marcus. And then, of course, to make sure you follow everybody at Hoopball. Hoopball Fantasy is where you can find everybody. Of course, a fantastic website that gets you ready for the fantasy hoop season that is just around the corner, starting to break down some teams, what they did in the offseason. Of course, we'll be talking Clippers on this podcast, but if you want to get your fix of other teams, make sure you check out Fantasy NBA Today, another great podcast as well. Before we get started and we get to Justin, just want to bring up a couple of things on the scheduling side. It has been released, at least it's being rumored, that the Clippers and Lakers will open up on October 22nd, and it's supposed to be a Clippers home game. So it'll be Lakers at Clippers. Obviously, you hope that Paul George will be healthy for that game. Who knows if he actually will, but nonetheless, it'll be fun to start the regular season that way with Lakers and Clippers. And then two days later, supposedly, it's going to be Clippers at Warriors as the Warriors open up their new arena. Of course, if I get this correct, I believe I am getting this correct, the Clippers are the last team to actually win a game at Golden State in their old arena. So they'll be the team that won the last game there, and they will be the first team that plays in the new arena as well. So that should be fun. Of course, no Clay Thompson, but nonetheless, you still have Steph Curry. You have Draymond Green, who just inked that extension, and just a very good team, D'Angelo Russell as well. One other game that's been reported is that Christmas Day will be Lakers-Clippers. That is rumored to be a Lakers home game, and I'd be surprised if it's not a Lakers home game, uh, just because you would assume that at Lakers just sounds a little better. It's stupid, but nonetheless, I I would be surprised if it's not at Lakers. So Clippers at Lakers on Christmas. It should be very fun to see those two teams square off. Of course, the Clippers, I believe, were not on Christmas Uh, on the Christmas schedule last year. So it'll be great to have them back on Christmas Day. So that does it for October 22nd, October 24th, and then, of course, on Christmas. So without further ado, let's go ahead. Let's dial up Justin Wilson. 
All right, you've seen this guy on Twitter all over the place. At LA Clippers Film is the Twitter handle. He is Justin Wilson. Justin, man, it's been a pleasure watching your stuff on Twitter. You break down players, not like anyone that I've seen so far on Twitter. So it's great to have you on the pod. Welcome. Well, thank you for that. You're far too kind. Um, that's kind of you're, you're embarrassing me a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be on the pod. Happy to talk some Clippers basketball. Um, I just saw that a few other franchises had some presence on Twitter as far as breaking down film, and I wanted to do my part for Clipper Nation. So here I am. Look at you. You're already answering questions that I, I had written down. I was going to ask you how you got started. So that answers that. I uh, got started obviously looking at other teams' feeds. Um, well, Go, go well, ahead. Obviously, oh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, just like I saw, I saw Pete over at Lakers film room, and I was always inspired by what he did on Twitter as far as spreading Laker gospel and breaking down complicated stuff in a simple, in, in a simple, in in simple terms. And I, I just wanted to do the same, and I didn't see anybody doing it on Twitter. What's That's your background? Really like, why were you able to? I mean, what makes you, I guess, qualified? to do it because you do a great job and you really know your stuff. So what's your background? Well, I played basketball all my life. Um, I grew up in LA. I played AAU. I played high school basketball over at Dorsey high school. I went and played some NAI ball, NAIA ball over at, over at uh, UC Merced. And then while working a couple of years with the L.A. Clippers, I really, in the community relations department, I really got kind of close to a few of the assistant coaches on the team where we would just talk, like, nerdy basketball stuff. And basically that whole profile of, of my basketball background kind of immersed me into into basketball culture. And I just depart, I just impart what I know as far as, recognizing certain sets that I've seen all my life. And, and yeah, that's, that's kind of where that background comes from. So obviously you played the game, you know it well, and now you're really doing your part and making sure everyone else uh, knows what's going on. I want to talk to you about some players, obviously, that are new to the Clippers. Um, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Let's start with Kawhi first. <laughs> what impresses you the most when you watch tape of Kawhi? The first thing that jumps off the page for me is his basketball instincts on the defensive end. It's almost like he's two steps ahead of every play that the offense is running. Um, and then he has the physical profile to actually take advantage of his instincts. So he can see a, he can see a play develop and he can jump a passing lane and he has the hands and the arm lift and the size to make, to make the play. Um, so defensively, his instincts are some of the greatest that I've ever seen. That's the first thing that jumps off the page of Kawhi for me. And two, I mean, we all see his offensive brilliance, but two, he's just rock solid, man. You can't find a lot of people who can go into any arena on the road in a playoff game and be as good as he is. It's 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 very rare, you know. That those that's LeBron James, Kevin Durant territory as far as being able to be on the road in a game five of a two two playoff series and be as calm as ever. And when your best player is that sound and that rock solid, it has an effect on the team. And so when I was watching him with Toronto, I mean, sure the basket. There's a lot of 
like anal basketball things that like jump off the page. His ball handling is really improved. Um, his shooting, especially off the bounce, is really improved. But he's just so rock solid. He doesn't. He he is. He has nerves of steel, even when he's playing in the NBA Finals against Golden State. You know, so he's 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 amazing. Yeah, and you know that Doc will be uh, drawing up those plays out of the timeouts for him, just those special design plays to get him those open looks, and he'll probably end up nailing most of them. Uh, one thing about him that stands out to you that you think he can improve on would be what? Well, I, I see it a lot. It's, it's, it's definitely his playmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as, he, as he went to Toronto, his usage spiked a, a lot. And, you know, you saw some times where he kind of plays, plays in a tunnel where he kind of doesn't make the read that's there. Um, he's grown a lot in that regard. But to me, when I watch him play, he's such a talented scorer that sometimes he doesn't make the open play because he knows he can make it itself. So I'm anxious to see Kawhi under Doc. And I'm sure Doc is going to put him into positions where not only Kawhi will be able to score, but to also be able to make plays for others. So I think that's an area that he can improve on. And I think because of his talent, it'll naturally happen under a great coach like Doc because Doc is going to put him in positions where he's going to draw two. He's going to draw two defenders. He's going to have six set of eyes on him, and he's going to have to make the play for the betterment of the team. And I think that's totally in his repertoire. Do you see him as a guy that's going to contribute from behind the perimeter and also the mid-range and also attacking the hoop? Is he going to do all three, you think, with this Clippers offense? Well, yeah, I think at this point, at this point, that's who he is, right? He's mm-hmm. a three-level scorer. He's, 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 he's shooting off the dribble off threes. He's getting into his mid-range. He has the size and ability to really get to any spot on the floor. And he's also really strong. So he can take the bump and take the ride to get to the hoop and finish. So he's a three-level scorer, and I see him being able to do all three with the L.A. Clippers in a very efficient fashion. And you would hope but he – question- go ahead. I want, um, what do you think about Kawhi? Like, what is the first thing that stood out to you in watching him? That's a good question. I think that you hit the nail on the head with just him having nerves of just absolute steel, and he's so cold-blooded. I mean, that shot that he hit against the 76ers from the corner that went off every part of the rim, just to hit that shot where he was, um, not only location on the court, but location of where they were playing, and to hit that one and just have no real reaction at all, I mean, that's one thing that you love in a player is that if he misses a shot, he's not going to get down on himself because he knows that the next time down he's going to drill that shot. So that's one thing that's important with a team like the Clippers when you have some youth and also some veterans, obviously. You want a guy that's willing to take that shot and knows he's going to make it. And if he does miss it, you still want him to be able to take that shot next time around and not be afraid of taking it. And I think that's one thing that really he and Lou, just two guys that don't care. If, if Lou is 0 for 15, you damn well better be sure that next time he goes down, you better mark him because he's going to shoot that shot for number 16. He's probably going to make it. So that's one thing that I like a lot about Kawhi. Absolutely, absolutely. And and one example for Kawhi, from Kawhi Leonard to me, that like really sticks out in my mind. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the Raptors were down two one 
on the road in Philadelphia. They're clinging to a one-point lead. It's 92-91, and he comes off of a screen with Embiid right in his face, and he just takes a three and nails it on the road in a 2-1 series in which if you lose, the series is over. And I'm like, this guy, the Clippers have never, ever, ever had a player with that much nerve and that much ability and that much, for lack of a better term, clutchness that um, I, I can't wait to see how he react, how we react with him come playoff time. Yeah, this is a team that really hasn't had that guy late in games that you know for sure that you're going to go to. I mean, back in the days when I started off being a Clippers fan, I mean, I, you love Corey Maggette, and you know that's a guy that's going to get your shot. Um, and for some reason, Dunleavy loved Piatkowski too. I mean, those guys would get those shots late in games, but, I mean, they're not even close to a guy like Kawhi, so it should be fun to watch him play. And it'll be even more fun, obviously, to watch him play with PG. And the question is, I'm curious to get your take because you've watched a lot of film of him, and he was hurt last year, and he was still playing through it. How much do you think that shoulder injury is actually going to hurt him, or do you think he'll be fine coming this season? Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a medical, a medical guy by any stretch. Right, but how do you um, look just just in general with the injured shoulder still last year going through this uh, all the paces? Well, well, for me, for me, let I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that at some point this season, PG's shoulders will be healthy. Um, hopefully, sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And the healthy version of Paul George last year was arguably better than Kawhi Leonard, at least until the playoffs. He was he was one of the best wings. He had one of the best wing seasons that I've seen in a very long time. He showed a lot that, honestly, I didn't even think he had in him. He was playing stronger than ever. He was playing downhill. He was taking bumps, getting to the free throw line, while taking 10 threes a game off the dribble. He was fantastic. And then you combine that with his first-team all-defense ability that he was displaying last year. I, If we get that version of Paul George, which I'm not sure we will, because that 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 may be an outlier of a season. Honestly, we don't know. Hopefully, it wasn't. Hopefully, that season was a sign of him of him getting into his prime and his peak years. And if we get that version of Paul George with last year's version of Kawhi, my goodness. Yeah, it's a deadly duo. And one thing that we know we'll get no matter what shoulder injury or not is he's going to be good defensively. He's going to get those defensive instincts and bring them to the Clippers. Because with him, Pat. And Kawhi, I mean, I don't know who's going to score on this team. It really is one of the best defenses I've ever seen. I mean, you've obviously been seen the game plenty. That th- trio has to be one of the best trios we've seen, right? Well, absolutely, absolutely. I, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of three defenders more talented as far as wings and guards are concerned. Um, and it's going to, again, it's going to show itself come playoff time. You just... You just don't have too many teams that have the ability to trot out six, seven, six, eight wings who are elite level defenders, but can also play on the other end of the floor. Those guys cost a ton of money, and that's honestly the reason why it's almost one or the other. So you have like those are like LeBron James in his prime, Kevin Durant level kind of players who can play on both ends, and for the Clippers to have two of those guys in the prime of their careers 
is honestly something that you can't even fathom until you see it on the floor. And so I'm with you, man. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be hell trying to score on those guys come playoff time. I don't know how many teams in the league right now, off the top of my head, will have the ability to not only get efficient offense on them, but also do it do it on the other end as well. Yeah, you know Kawhi and PG will fit just fine defensively. I'm curious to get your take on them fitting offensively. What part of PG's game will fit the best with Kawhi? Well, I think I think I watched I watched a, a ton of film on PG under Billy Donovan, and Billy Donovan did. I, I know he gets ragged on a lot, but he did do some cool stuff with Paul George as far as him coming off of pin downs. It was almost reminiscent of how Doc used JJ a little bit, and that's honestly how he was able to generate so many threes. Russell Westbrook going downhill, finding Paul George spotting up or having Paul George come off of floppies or pin downs and things like that. And with his size, he's able to just come up off that pin down and catch and shoot. And so I think with Kawhi Leonard, he's a bit more isocentric than Paul George. So I I do think that while Kawhi will be that guy that's more or less doing the heavy lifting as far as creating the shots, Paul George is that, and this is what makes Paul George so great, right? He's, he can float. He can float. He can find his without without calling much plays for him. He can he can make moves off the ball. He can come off of your pin downs. He can come off your floppies. And those are sets that those are patent sets that every NBA team runs. But those are sets that Doc Rivers loves. And I'm sure he's going to have a blast having a six nine wing able to come up off a of pin downs to get wide open looks, or having Paul George cut and spot up. And he's elite in all those areas. Do you think they'll fit better together at the two and three or three and four? Um, it it depends on the time of the game for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I think naturally it'll probably be the three and the four, but that that's only probably ideally you don't want to spend too many minutes per game having that because I don't think we want. Kawhi or PG to spend a ton of time guarding force, mm-hmm. but I can't wait to see them play the three and the four down the stretch of a game where where we can use that type of spacing and that type of shot creativity right there. It also allows other guys like Landry Shamit or Patrick Beverly or Lou Williams to all compliment them while Kawhi and PG are playing the three and the four. So I'm anxious to see them play the three and the four as well. What about you? I think you're right. I think we'll see a lot of teams, though, go small. And if that's the case, they'll probably end up seeing PG and Kawhi at that three and four. But at the same time, like you say, if there are those bigger fours, you'd prefer not to have somebody like PG or Kawhi going up against, let's say, Al Horford, for example, when Horford and Beat are both on the floor. So it'll be interesting to see what Doc does to help those two guys um, both offensively and defensively when they go up against bigger teams. Um, one thing that I was going to ask you, and you just brought it up, so you're really doing a tremendous job. I, I, I lauded your work, obviously, on Twitter. But not only are you doing that on Twitter, but you're helping me out with transitions as well. Besides for Kawhi and PG, there are some guys that stand out. I want to talk about Landry Shamit because you are somebody that likes to talk about Shamit a lot and what he does and kind of went under the radar last year during his rookie season. Obviously, you and I are both going to miss Shea because he was just tremendous. The amount 
of just consistency that he was able to show and just improvement over the season and vision and just his ability to get to the hoop. He's an incredible player. But let's talk about Shamit. Shamit's a guy that might play the one, supposedly this year, but also played the two, obviously, last year. When you look at Shamit, what part of his game do you like the most, and how do you think he fits with this team? Well, for me, well, first first of all, you are correct. I am a SGA lover. It was sad to see him go. I think SGA is going to be a star. I think he's going to be a star sooner than later as well. Um, I definitely think having Chris Paul there with him can only help him. So I'm, I was really sad to see him go. But with that being said, I think we'll see Landry Shamit playing with the second unit a lot more this year. I don't even think he'll be a starter, honestly. Hmm. And 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 I because I think I think Jamichael Green will get the start at the four, which will push everybody up a slot, which will push maybe Kawhi and PG to play the two and the three with Patrick Beverly at the one and then Zoo at the five. That's what I think will probably end up how to end up shaking out. But I think that'll help the second unit tremendously because the second unit was honestly last year. It was great that we had Lou and Trez, but we were kind of dependent on them for to generate offense. And this is where Landry Shamit comes in, and this is what I love about Landry Shamit so much is that, as you alluded to, he did play someone, and I think with Lou Williams in the second unit, Landry will get a very good opportunity to play someone, and it'll allow the second unit to be a bit more versatile, and that's probably what I love most about Landry Shamit. He's so versatile. He's a knockdown shooter, not only in spot-up scenarios, but you can move him in a lot of different ways off the ball as far as pin downs and floppies, much like Paul George can. Um, and he has the size to get the shot off. So he's a legit 6'5 and can come and raise off of pin downs. And his motion will allow guys like Trev, guys like Mo Hartless, guys like Blue to shake free in that second unit. And it'll only make the second unit that much more powerful, which it was last year. On so tape, how thing, was his vision, by the way? How was his vision on tape? Oh, Landry Shamit? Yeah. Um, I thought I thought last year, um, he he showed a little bit of it in college, honestly, that I like. But last year, when he was put in positions to make plays, he honestly he honestly did fare better than expected. Just off the eye test, I didn't dive too much into Landry's vision, but I. But he showed a willingness to make the play if he's coming off of a screen and he attracts to he'll make a pass, he'll make the read. And he'll and honestly that's where his IQ comes into play because his IQ with his movement off the ball honestly translates really well with him on the ball as well. Have you gotten a and chance to watch much Magruder and Harkless yet? Magruder, not as much. Mo Mo a lot. Uh, I, but Mo has been one of a, a favorite of mine. Um, I hope that he's able to become a really good spot up guy. And if he can become maybe if he shoots 37 on three, 38, I mean, that's kind of wishful thinking a little bit, but if he can get to that point with his size, he's another guy that can only help the Clippers second unit. And I actually think that there's going to be some nights where Mo Harkless is going to play some big minutes with the starters as well. But if I can go back to Landry, mm-hmm. the one thing that I the one thing that I love about Landry Shamit was his defense. 
he showed incredible defensive ability against the Warriors in the, in that six game opening round series. Way better than I expected. He 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 upped his he upped his feeling to me as a player with that performance on that end of the floor of the of of that first round series he was fantastic on that end I didn't think he had that in him and that honestly makes me anxious to see what he what kind of player he's going to become that's a really good point because nobody was really talking about his defense until that series and then all of a sudden they put him on Steph and Steph went ice cold so that, that's a really good point because if you are able to turn him into a two-way player to go along with Beverly, George, and Kawhi, man, there's going to be no one that's going to be able to score on them at all. I mean, you would just hope that if he's able to continue to take those strides defensively, being with guys like Kawhi and PG, who I'm sure will help him and instill that defense in him even more, and then add that offensive skill set that he'll probably learn from Doc and being around guys like Lou Williams, you got to assume that they know what they're doing here with this Shamit kid. I know Bill Simmons decided to tweet, that Shamit was a throw-in in that trade. He was not a throw-in. That is safe to say that he was not a throw-in. Uh, and I'm hoping that he is healthy because I know he wasn't able to play with Team USA. And it would have been cool to see him do that. But nonetheless, I mean, like you said, the sky's got to be the limit for this kid. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge Landry guy. I was a huge Landry guy in Philadelphia when he was with the Sixers. And like you, I, there was no way that he was a – Throw in for that trade. That was it. Was huge that the Clippers were able to get him. I, if you'd have told me that the Clippers would have got Landry Shamit on a rookie deal for an expiring and Tobias, I would have thought you were silly. So I tip my cap. I tip my cap to the front office. That was a slick move, and the Clippers have a two guard or and a point guard that they that they can have for the foreseeable future, who can help them tremendously now, right now. What's the biggest weakness right now on this Clippers team? You, you think they need a guy like Iguodala? Do you think they need a backup point guard? Or do you think they need a backup big? That's a great question. For me, their biggest weakness is probably size. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think. I don't think that. Um, I don't think that this is going to be the final roster that we see from the Clippers. Um, they've been active at the deadline the last two years. I don't. I I would be shocked if that if that does if that stops. Um, when you're playing for a championship, which the Clippers are now, you're playing against a few teams. So if you face Embiid in the finals, if you have to face Anthony Davis in the Western Conference Finals, um, you don't want your only only footer to be Zubac, mm-hmm. who can play play minutes. So I think their biggest weakness would probably be. The, the the size and I, I guess we could use some point guard help but I, I don't think that's as big of a need as people are making that out to be. Um, I think size, depending on who the Clippers play deep into the playoffs could become an issue so I look for them to be really active as the season wears on to try to address that issue in any way that they can. Yeah, I agree with you. And one thing is I don't think the Iguodala thing makes sense at all. You have enough guys that can play defense. I think you'll be okay with PG and Kawhi handling the ball as well. So one thing that you really need is some length, and I tend to agree with you. Before you go, one last question for you. A couple of games got released. Uh, at least they were rumored to be released. 
the Lakers Clippers opening things up on October 22nd. Then you got the Clippers at the Warriors opening up their arena on the 24th and Lakers Clippers on Christmas Day. Which game are you looking forward to the most? Um, probably Clippers Warriors because if I can if I can be honest, the last 5 years we've been on the receiving end of so many ass whoopings in the in Oracle Arena that it would be nice to christen the Chase Center with a loss to the Warriors. It would be really nice to see that. Um, one thing I will say, though, is that it's kind of tough on the Clippers to open up their first two games against division rivals in the Lakers and the Warriors. And I know those are the first two games of the season, but those games matter. And I know I know a lot of people like to blow off the early season, first couple of games, then you look up, in your game and a half out of second seed because you took the first two games off. So I'm really anxious to see the season start. And I do believe that those games are going to matter and we're going to have to come with. The Lakers are going to be hyped. The Lakers have heard all the chatter about the Clippers. So that opening night, well, that opening night game will surely be exciting. But I'm really looking forward to opening the new Chase Center with a loss courtesy of the Clippers. Yeah. That's probably mine. What about you? There's going to be a lot of hot takes, man. There's going to be way too many hot takes after the first two <laughs> games. Whether PG's on the team or whether he's I mean, he's hurt, whether he's healthy, uh, you're going to see no matter what happens with the Clippers. When they lose opening night or they win opening night, and then, of course, against the Warriors, they either 0-2, 2-0, 1-1, it doesn't matter. You're still going to have these clowns just trying to talk about the Clippers and being, are they NBA titles favorites? Do we overlook them? Or now are we talking about them as a team that maybe is not going to succeed with these guys? Do they have too many players? It's Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to the first game of the season, just to see Kawhi on the Clippers and to see how they look, see how they look against the Lakers. Obviously, the Lakers have been a team that the Clippers have owned of late, but you still have to reach that Lakers level. And I think it starts with that game out on the 22nd. Justin, this has been a blast, man. I appreciate you joining us. Go ahead and uh, throw out your Twitter handle and anything else that you want to uh, promote yourself. Um, my Twitter handle is at LA Clippers Film. Um, I've got some things in the work to maybe maybe expand this brand a little bit. We'll see what, what happens with that. Um, before I go, I do have a question for you. Yeah. Um, who do you think is the biggest challenge to the L.A. Clippers in the Western Conference? I know conventional wisdom would say the Lakers, but I'd love to hear your opinion on that. It's a good question. Uh, it's a really good question. And conventional wisdom does say the Lakers, but part of me thinks that they're not going to get their act together. This is going to sound a little strange. I think Denver might be. I just don't love the way the Clippers played against Denver last year in spurts. I think Jokic could be a problem, and I think Murray's going to take that next step. They have so many different players that can do so many different things on that team. I don't know. Part of me thinks Denver. Am I nuts? No, not at all. Um, I think Denver, for one, has a cheat code, and their cheat code is their home court advantage. No one ever wins in Denver. So it's kind of it, it would be tough to play them in a seven game series in which you have to play in 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 that arena. And as you said, Jokic is great. Jamal Murray is looking like he may come into his own. He had some really great moments in the playoffs last year. Um, I, I'm a big Gary Harris guy. He had a kind of a down year last year, but 
I'm a huge Gary Harris fan. Um, I would probably lean Lakers only a little bit, but yeah, Denver is probably the team that if there's a team that's going to be the one seed in the West, not named the Lakers or the Clippers, I would probably bet my money on the Denver Nuggets. They're, they scare me. They yeah. scare me. And it always feels like an uphill battle playing them on the road. Same thing with Utah. I mean, Utah is a tough team to play on the road as well. And they're only getting better. They obviously have Conley now at point guard, which is a huge upgrade. Um, and adding Bogdanovich will help them as well. So I think they're going to be good, man. The West is going to be loaded. Uh, we know for sure it'll be fun to watch the Clippers. It'll be fun to watch the NBA this season. I don't think we've had a year like this in quite some time where there's so much balance. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And if I could throw one more at you before I go. Yeah. Closing lineup. Closing lineups to close the game. Um, if you're you're in the playoffs, you're playing the Golden State Warriors again, round two. Who would you close the game with as far as the roster is currently constructed? It's a good question. Um, I think you'll probably – I could be crazy, but I think you could go Bev at the one. I could see Shamit at the two, George and Kawhi at the three and four, and Trez – actually, I'm forgetting Lou Williams too. Damn, you got to get Lou in there. Um yeah, see, if Shaman improves defensively, I could see Shaman being there, but probably Lou and Pat, and then you have George, Kawhi, and Trez. What do you think? See, for me, for me, this is probably one of the biggest quiet things that I've been been thinking about when it comes to the Clippers this season, and that's Lou Williams' role. Mm-hmm. So we've depended on him so much these last couple of years that it's going to be interesting to see how his role changes because I'll be quite honest. He's, I won't say he's not as necessary down a stretch of games, but it, it'll be hard to play. Um, it'll be hard to play Lou Williams in with his defense. If you can go say maybe Patrick Beverly at the one, you have Kawhi and PG at the two and the three, you have Mo Harkless or Jermichael Green at the four, and then you have Trez at the five. Yeah. To, to me, that, that'd be a great closing lineup with a ton of wing positional size. And, and, and maybe for, and you don't want to play Trez at the five for too many minutes, but to close the game, I think he could be fine playing the five. Um, but yeah, Lou Williams' role on the team is something that I'm really interested in seeing how it plays out. Because he was he was our sixth man, but he was also a guy that we depended upon heavily. And so down the stretch of games, we obviously won't be playing through him nearly as much as we played as with Kawhi and PG. And then on the other end, he's just not necessary anymore. So I'm and he's one of my favorite Clippers of all time. So I'm really anxious to see how Doc Rivers fits Lou Williams onto this iteration of the Clippers. That's a great point, and one thing that'll help is that if you don't have to play him late, you can play him more in the middle of the game and not wear him down. I think that'll be important because he played a lot of minutes last year, and he's just getting older. Um, but that's a really good point, point because you look at Shamit. If you're able to play Shamit instead maybe of Lou Williams because you don't need that scoring because you have Kawhi and PG on the floor, and you're right. I mean, Lou was there because he was really the only one that can get his own bucket. Now, if you're able to get Kawhi and PG on the floor – 
then you're able to change up Lou's role and you can bring him in the game more in the third quarter or to start the fourth quarter and give George and Kawhi a rest when you don't want to get blitzed out of the gym. So I think that's something that definitely be fun to watch is how Doc manages all the minutes of these guys because you could see them go big, uh, like you said, bring in Green and bring in a guy like Harkless, or you could see him go Shamit instead of Lou as well. I think that'll be fun to watch for sure. I'm in total agreement. I'm in total agreement, man. Cool. Well, this has been awesome, man. Hope to have you uh, on several times uh, over the next couple of months. It's been a blast. Uh, We'll definitely connect again, talk Clippers basketball. It's been awesome. Thank you for joining us. And again, if you want to follow Justin at LA Clippers Film, you can catch catch up on all of his content there. Justin, it's been great, man. Yeah, man. Finally, Finally got a chance to get on here. Hopefully this is the first of many. I mean, let's start a great relationship talking about Clipper basketball, man. All right, hope you enjoyed that one. A fun conversation with Justin. Obviously, he knows his stuff, a dude that used to hoop and probably still does hoop over in the gym, uh, but he just knows his stuff. Check out at LA Clippers Film. Does a really nice breakdown of each different Clipper that you will see on the court this season. Once again, you can follow us at BD Marcus is my Twitter handle at Hoopball Clips is where you can check out the Hoopball Clippers podcast and also other Clippers news as well. Hoopball Fantasy is where you can check out everybody. That Hoopball staff does a tremendous job. Hope you enjoyed this one. Until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long and have a great one, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.